I, I realized nose change a lot uh, after mm -hmm. healing. So the deformity settling on the bone, bony area. And I said, what's happening? So the bone, nose is changing a lot. And I, I can't see what I see in the surgery. It's totally different. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Rhinoplasty Podcast with me, Dr. Cameron McIntosh. For the month of August, we've got a fantastic lineup all around preservation rhinoplasty. And this is brought to us by this really cool company from France called Comeg. And they literally concentrate very well on um, a special piezo machine. Now, if you are interested in wanting to get a cool discount on this machine, you're going to have to listen right to the end of the podcast, and then I'm going to give you the details of who you need to email to get a 10% discount. Okay, so thanks to Comeg for bringing this to us. So tonight, I've been burning for tonight's show. Uh, this is a man I've tried to get to South Africa numerous times. I tried to get over to Istanbul, and because of COVID, it couldn't happen. Uh, we've had the pleasure of interviewing Barish once last year. He blew everyone out the water. We had more than a thousand people online listening to him. So it is such an honor and a privilege, Barish. Thank you very much for taking your Monday evening to be with us and to our listeners from all around the world. Yes, it's very good to see you. How are you? No, Barish, I'm good. Eh? We, we had a very cool day today. We actually opened our new surgery center. So this is like the cherry on the top of the cake for me to be able to chat to you tonight all about preservation rhinoplasty. So I saw on your Instagram, your new clinic, it's, it's amazing. It looks a small hospital. So I want to be there. I want to visit you. I hope all that no, we, COVID we issue going to finish and I want to come there. <laughs> No, we're going to get you here. We've set it up. So what I'm quite excited about it because I've been so lucky to visit so many people all around the world. I've tried to take all the like good parts and put it together. So in the, in the clinic, we've got a cone beam CT scan machine. We've got 2D photos. We've got 3D photos. But downstairs in theater, it's also set up with five permanent video cameras to film all the different aspects of rhinoplasty. And then that goes upstairs to our production room so that really we can do cool videos of surgery so we actually next month going to be filming olivia and miguel they're both coming out to our congress and they're each going to do a live surgery so we're quite excited about that my first question to you so we we know you as this incredible rhinoplasty surgeon that you, you're giving so much back to so many people and teaching them but take us back how did you become a doctor and how did your interest in rhinoplasty start Oh, it's a very interesting interview. All right. We are starting from the high school. So I, I'm basically, um, how can I start? All right. The point is, um, my parents uh, think I'm not very good about the uh, theoric education. So they sent me to a job school. In Turkey, we say job school. So it's it's not uh, a high school for preparing the college. It's a, they teach high school also the other half day, they teach you a job. So I became an electronic technician first of all. So, uh, so you, in that high school, you educate for the hand skills. We carve, carve metal. We, uh, we, 
uh, work on the electricity of a small house, something, and uh, we drew, we was drawing the, the walls. So I, I realized that the electric to be an electric technician is not not a good doesn't have a good future. So my parents want me to be a doctor, but I want to be an engineer. So uh, I, I choose my last choice. So you you write your to, um, uh, in, in, in a list, everything was the engineering. The last one was the medical school. So <laughs> it's it's a chance to be to be a doctor. So the first two three years, I always thinking about uh, lefting the medical school and going to be uh, engineer uh, education. So <laughs> and after three years, there is no go back. So there is no re return. So. I think, what can I be? So, uh, to be a surgeon, I can create a difference because I'm I'm very bad about the memory. Uh, I'm the left-handed, so I, I I only trust my hands. <laughs> That's all. So, uh, in uh, in the medical school, I had a rhinoplasty. Okay, that's uh, change everything. So first, I go to the ENT and then go to the plastic surgery. So I had a rhinoplasty. Six months later, I had a revision <laughs> because of the uh, because of the deviation. So it's it's very interesting. Before the plastic surgery, rhinoplasty, I was a I was a rhinoplasty patient. So uh, it was very interesting uh, experience for me. And what what I was want to be do uh, I I want to be an orthopedic surgeon because I'm so interested in the microsurgery. I, I don't know anything mm -hmm. about the plastic surgery, but with the rhinoplasty, so I, I went for the consultation again. They called they call me and they they want to me see at uh, at first month, second month, you know, the, the rhinoplasty check. I realized the rhino, what, what the plastic surgery is doing there. So um, in in my city, they only focus on the burn surgery. I don't, I, I really square that. So uh, I choose Istanbul to be a hand surgeon. So I, five years, I did only hand surgery, macro surgery. You know, the replantation is the uh, very yeah. interesting. You, you suture the half millimeter vessels. Uh, at the tip of the po mm -hmm. uh, fingers, so it's increased my hand skills. Only I create a difference there. So uh, th that's the story of the to be a medical the doctor and and a plastic surgery resident. So why the rhinoplasty? Wow. You know the next question. So the rhinoplasty, I, I watch rhinoplasty a lot in my residency, but uh, not not thinking about to be a rhinoplasty surgeon. But after finishing the plastic surgery, I couldn't find any space uh, in the hand surgery centers. So government sent me sent me a small city. So I, I left, quit from the government uh, service. So in the in the mm -hmm. private practice, the rhinoplasty is a key in Turkey. Okay, if you can mm -hmm. do a good a good rhinoplasty, you can open an office. <laughs> so it start like this. So I, I realized the rhinoplasty, you need high hand skills and mm -hmm. you have to give 100 decisions in the surgery. And after mm -hmm. the plastic mm -hmm. surgery residence, I realized I, I, I 
read as real at the end, you need I. <laughs> so, yes, it's mm-hmm. like a chess play, like um, uh, who says, uh, the, uh, who's the guest of uh, Jack Shears, Jack Shears' friends? Constantine. Yeah. yeah, Mark Constantine says it's a chess play. So I, I realized you need, I need an art education. So I, I go to yes. the art school and I said, I'm a plastic surgeon. Teach me, teach me something, sculpture, drawing. And it changed a lot. So uh, I, I teach my eyes for years. So maybe I, I could create some small difference in, in the right of plastic because of the art education. That's yeah. the story. <laughs> wow, man. That's fascinating, eh? Sure. And and so do you only do rhinoplasty or do you do any other facial plastic surgery or plastic Thanks. things? On the rhinoplasty. Because wow. I, I want to be great difference. If you do everything or if even if you do five, ten things, uh, you can't concentrate. Even one thing or, for example, our issue is uh, the point is rhinoplasty. So, uh, learning rhinoplasty never finish. So rhinoplasty, one surgery is enough. Uh, you, you can't finish it. So I want to be no. good only one thing. So it's uh, the key was to be concentrate. So if I, I feel not confident in, in a, for example, breast surgery, I was doing good augmentation, but I'm, I'm not good about the reduction something. So I left it. So facelift, symmetry, I, I left it. <laughs> so rhinoplasty, wow. now it's, it's thousands. So I focus on, on on the one thing. So, Boris, that's interesting for me. Now, uh, speaking to a guy like uh, Prof. Dean, he was saying we had a very interesting chat. Out there, there's people who put themselves out to say, oh, I do like 500 rhinoplasties a year or 600 rhinoplasties a year now. As a person where you at, I know mostly endonasal approach. How how what's the capacity of the amount of surgery you actually do in a year normally? Uh, I, I also I look at the statistics. So uh, I did three thousand fifty or four four uh, four hundred in a year. But it, it was too, so much. So you feel neck pain. So I, I reduced the job. So uh, we plan how much rhinoplasty to do. So I, I do, wow. I, I want to stay in 200 or 250. So my, my order yeah. to my secretary, 20 or 30 rhinoplasty in a month, not more. So. Well, that's great because your quality is so good. Wow, wow. Okay, so before we get more into rhinoplasty, let's just take a slight turn here. What do you do when you're not doing rhinoplasty? What are some of your other interests? Now, if I left rhinoplasty? No, no, if you're not busy, what, what other interests do you have apart from the, the sculpt and the drawings and rhinoplasty? What are you doing when you have a day off? In, in the office, you know, I, even I left Botox, filler, everything. Uh, I, I was saying I'm doing on the surgery and the rhinoplasty, but in the COVID time, the, because of the lockdown of the operating rooms, I, I turned back, but not too much. Is if I, I'm not busy, I do one botox or one filler. But, uh, even I don't want to do anything about uh, more than rhinoplasty. Nothing. 
on the on the nose. Sometimes yeah. lip filler. <laughs> That's all. It's it's enough yeah, to talk with right. the patients. Uh, consultations, prepare lectures, and focusing on on uh, the uh, your, your patients follow up. So that's that's mm. too much. <laughs> no, it's a lot. Eh? So so, Barish, before we get into the topic, the last question I had. Now we have listeners from all over the world. We have like seventy different countries. Um, yeah, it's, it's great. And what would your advice be for, for the, the younger, possibly medical students or residents who are listening to this and they, they're interested in wanting to get into rhinoplasty? What are some of the tips you'd like to share with them? Okay. Uh, to increase your hand skills is important. It's, uh, and you start to write surgery around 24, 25 but even the, you, you do something in your house, fixing some mansions, okay, doing your electricity stuff. Mm-hmm. I, I did a lot. It's improve your hand skills. Mm-hmm. And to be a, a good plastic surgeon or a facial plastic surgeon, also you need eyes. If you are uh, doing aesthetics, also you need to improve your, your beauty. So you, you can take that, take that education in, in the art schools. It's changed my life a lot because uh, I give several times art sc- art schools, art uh, class in in Rio, in uh, in Ban to the plastic surgeons. I was bringing it's limited to the thirty people. I teach how to draw noses. I bring clay mm-hmm. with the mask without nose, and I give the mask to people, and I said, make nose for to fit in that face. And mm-hmm. in five minutes, you can see the difference. Who took education and who did it not? Uh, in, you know, the, mm-hmm. the Jack Sheen is amazing sculpture. Uh, mm-hmm. So uh, if some... But it doesn't take an education. You see, the nose is very big or very small. Even doesn't fit the face. So that mm-hmm. that education is so important. I uh, I say to this home message to all my visitors: find the art teacher to close to you. And I work one year every every Saturday. My last consultation was my art teacher. I finished my job. We take wines and we draw nose for one year wow so that polygon wow. concept is very basic drawing things so we we, we yes. prepare with my art teachers john and yusuf that's so, fantastic yeah. yeah that's great eh? well baris we we and i think there's quite a few guys sitting online here wanting to listen to the talk do you want to share the screen now and uh, and then you're going to fire away and what I'll do is I might interrupt you with a few questions as we go. And then if people ask questions on YouTube as well, I'll ask, ask you. Yeah, please. That's nice. To, so you will stop me. That's nice. And we can discuss things. Yeah, I'll stop yeah. you. Yeah. yeah. No problem. I like yeah. that. Wait. And then what, what I'd remind you is whilst you are doing the presentation, because not everybody will watch this on YouTube when we do the final release a lot of people are listening on the podcasts in their motor cars or on the train or whatever so when you are explaining try and imagine as if somebody can't necessarily see your slides okay so i'm sharing my screen is it okay that looks good now yeah 
So can I see my face also? So I see only my my. No, yeah. That's fine. That's fine. This is better. Even I want to that's see your perfect. face. <laughs> okay. You happy with this? Oh, it's like looks great. All right. Uh, these are my disclosure. Uh, there's a book from Springer, and we have a Congress book, Preservation Rhinoplasty. Uh, I have royalties, so I have to say this. Uh, so the Preservation Rhinoplasty book, the third edition published. So that's very good. So I really appreciate people interesting a lot. So how can people get hold of that Preservation Rhinoplasty book? I think people can go to the preservationrhinoplasty.com. There's a link to this this book so people can buy online and the staffs are sending the book uh, with the, with shipping, with UPS. Thank you. And I have, uh, we designed an elevator with Daniel, Daniel Checker elevator. It's really people love that for subperichondrial dissection. I think it's okay. So how the preservation rhinoplasty start? Um, we... We uh, decided to make a meeting in Istanbul, I think four or five years ago. So the name, we, we couldn't find a good name. It was, uh, I don't want to say, very bad. And we dis uh, decided to do the, another one. And this article published with Roland Daniel, Preservation Rhinoplast and New Rhinoplast Revolution. So when I saw it in, <laughs> in a minute, I sent the email to Roland. So that's amazing name for the uh, upcoming meeting, Preservation Rhino Plaster meeting. So we, uh, I will I will give details about this article. So this is uh, uh, the team. Roland Daniel answered me in in a day. Yes, you can use Preservation Rhino Plaster name for a meeting, but only one condition: if we write a book. <laughs> so we. When we are preparing to the meeting, we finished this book in six months. <laughs> that year was so, so busy for me. My family couldn't see my face. <laughs> so we, we worked a lot and we finished the book and the book uh, press finished just one day before the meeting. So we, that's the wow. um, fam famous meeting, 700 people. Some people count 600, 700, 800. I don't know the exact, exactly the number. A lot of people came. Very afraid to see a lot of people here. And we repeat in Rome. And I, I talk with Dean Turim in Russia. Yeah, we, we have to come together because looks like two concept is fighting. I don't want to, uh, to uh, I don't want to be in that fight because that's very normal. You promote it. A concept, yeah, we have to do that to to reach to people. But it looks like structure and preservation is the enemy, but it's not. So Dean Torimi mm -hmm. accepted our invitation. I said, please be the president with the role in Daniel, and we, we figure out everything. So we come together. So our uh, logo is yin yang. I will explain what is it. So I did a live surgery in structure preservation meeting. Dean Torimi did a live surgery. Secondary, I did preservation rhinoplasties, 20-day post-op. That, that's the case in the in the meeting, live surgery. Another 
preservation rhinoplasty result, axis deviation, clip highlights I will talk about, dorsum is natural on the side. So, uh, I said the Torimi, at least 80% of the cases, we, we can figure out uh, preservation concept in Europe. But I, I, I did live surgery in Brazil. They, they have totally different indication. So structure is dominant in South America. So because of the immigration, structure preservation, both is very, really important in the U.S. Uh, but if we do structure to everyone, in my country, it's, too, it's overkill, overkilling surgery. So because of they need reduction and they, they want definition. So I don't want to put a lot of graft. So structure and preservation now, we, our message to people is complaining each other like yin yang. Uh, nowadays, we are talking about the combination. So we, we don't do only preservation to everywhere. So we can, you can do preservation for soft tissue. You can do structure for the tip. You can do dorsal preservation for the dorsal. So that's the team. Roland Daniel is our director. Now we can see how far we are from is the end our teacher. The I'm responsible about tip surgery. Um, and Peter Palazzi is responsible about okay. uh, anatomy. Mm -hmm. Now my, my brother, Aaron, is doing a surgery on the cadaver. Uh, what is preservation rhinoplasty? The summary of the preservation rhinoplasty article is that if you have a beautiful dorsum, preserve it. You can use letdown, you can use pushdown. Many people think about preservation rhinoplasty is only dorsal preservation. No, it's not. And, all, and also, there is not only one dorsal preservation. There is cartilage preservation, there is osteocartilage preservation. Also, in the septum, you have low septal strip, you have high septal strip, also you have tetris, you have middle septal strips. Another preservation is the soft tissue preservation. If you have thin skin, so you, your scar contracture is your enemy, so subperichondrial dissection is a very good tool for that because in subperichondrial plane, uh, you activate only contraplast. So the perichondrium get thicker, cartilage get little thinner, but you don't, because of you don't touch soft tissue, fibromuscular tissue, so you don't touch fibroblasts and there is no fibrosis in subperichondrial plane. With the subperichondrial dissection, you can preserve the ligaments more. Even subsumized dissection, you can preserve the ligaments a little bit. So the ligament preservation is really important for reduction surgery. Uh, you can, because in augmentation, no problem. You put the cartilage and the uh, skin envelope follows the uh, skeleton. But in reduction, if you do reduction to the skeleton, uh, the muscles, skin doesn't listen to you, especially in the superdepo area. So the ligaments is really a nice tool to control red ray in supradeep and the lateral supradeep area. So maximum mm -hmm. cartilage preservation, especially it's very important for lateral cura. Uh, in this point, our home message is to stop all resection at the cephalic part of the lateral cura because 
we create the pinch nose is iatrogenic, alert notch is iatrogenic because of the over cephalic resection. And if it is possible, uh, do it close to preserve the columnar system. So, can we stop? We, we can talk. Can you hear me? No, no carry on. That, that's good. Because uh, the first thing I'm considering now is we see a lot of people who've done so much cephalic resection. Right. How then do you, in revision rhinoplasty, bring preservation rhinoplasty in? Yeah, no. in secondary rhinoplasty, preservation, no, this is basically in primary uh, concept. Mm. So the pre preservation also in, in the article, Roland Daniel says, uh, to decrease uh, revisions, also make the revisions mm. easy. Because if the, the surgeon removed the half of the uh, lateral cura and left really small pieces, so if you create a big space, that space between the upper lateral and the lateral cura, if the pathology occurs like pinched nose, huge alarm retraction, it's very difficult to treat that. So to preserve the natural anatomy as possible as, uh, so uh, decrease the deformities. That, that's the point of the preservation. In secondary, structural rhinoplasty is the gold standard. And in augmentation for the Latin noses, uh, at least for the tip, it's uh, structural rhinoplasty is the gold standard. Mm -hmm. So um, it's 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 a book. We have a book, four hundred page about the preservation. So I, I want to talk about more on on my responsibilities. I responsible about the tip surgery, and and the, the ligament ligament preservation. I focus on the ligaments on two thousand six. So I, I was thinking about hand surgeon, everything. You know, in, in hand surgery, um, you had a hand crush and patient came to the emergency service. First, you mark everything. Where's the nerve? Where's the um, deep tendons? Where's the superficial tendons? And you elevate the skin flaps. First, you mark before you replant uh, the place the hand or finger, so you mark everything. I, I did rhinoplasty a lot as I learned. I, I realized nose change a lot uh, after mm -hmm. healing. So the superdip deformity settling on the bone, bony area, and I said, what's happening? So the bone, nose is changing a lot, and I, I can't see what I see in the surgery. It's totally different. Well, I, I think in 15 years ago, I said, even we elevate, I, I was doing on the rhinoplasty, by the way, uh, Cameron, I start to rhinoplasty with the open approach, three years only open mm -hmm. surgery, no close. <laughs> so I, I was doing open surgery and I, I said, even no rhinoplasty, you perform nothing. Don't touch the bone, don't touch the cartilage. Elevate the flap and close it again. I think that nose will not be the same. That, that was my point. Mm, mm. So what I did, uh, I marked everything. Probably I'm cutting something, like in the abdominal plastic, you have to repair the fascia. 
So in, in the hand surgery, also you close the muscle fascias and you have to f fix everything. And I realized I'm cutting lots of tissue, I don't know the name, on, on the superior body. I mark and I suture again. I said, I, I found a new, new thing, new, um, um, but, uh, in new term, something, a new tissue, but it was not. And, uh, I realized 60, 1960, P Ivo Pitangi already described that. So, uh, I, and we refer that article and in that years we met with Roland Daniel. He saw what we are doing and he helped a lot to publish this article, subperiosteal subperiosteal dissection and with uh, the ligament, uh, ligament, management of the nasal ligament. That's my first article about the nose. So it's, uh, people start to, wow. to hear, hear my name and repeat the rolling. <laughs> so thanks for God to, to meet with Roland. He's my godfather, helped me a lot. So let's go on. So uh, still a lot of people doesn't understand what's the pitangi, what's the function of that. Yes. Yeah, lots of people, uh, okay, there's a ligament, for sure. A lot of people re uh, rejecting it. Or uh, like guidance, removing and suturing the dermis to the sept anterior septal angle. And some people preparing the pitangi and suturing to the anterior septal angle or making a flap and suturing to the medial cura. So, let me show this very simple animation so people will understand. We know the tip cartilage stay mm -hmm. forward, sometimes 10, 12 millimeter forward than the anterior septal angle. How is possible? That's the answer. Because the ligaments start from the super tip and not attaching to the tip, not dome. It's attaching to the middle, uh, medial cura, not middle cura around the columella breakpoint mm -hmm. and the foot place. Uh, so it's carrying the tip cartilage, pulling forward, and the, that because the pitangi is uh, taking the power from the samas and controlling the super tip. If we mm -hmm. ignore that, that's happened to me uh, 15 years ago. So I dissect. Uh, I cut the ligament, so that tissue I didn't resect and come to the super tip and create a super tip bulging. As you see, you know, there's a natural distance between the anterior septal angle and the domes. When, when you mm -hmm. cut the pitangi to reach the anterior septal angle, you, rem you remember, open the flap and to find the anterior septal angle, you uh, go through sometimes five, six millimeters. That's the pitangi ligament. So yes. dome cartilage collapse to that empty space. So you need cartilage grafts. So because of this open rhinoplasty needs more cartilage grafts. When I start to repair that ligament back to the medial cura, suddenly my rhinoplasty change a lot. I put one strut, that's all. So still, uh, I spent years to control it. But when I don't cut it, so it's uh, like um, uh, next level. So, to, to, yes, to, yes. To, yeah. 
That's my theory about the superlative deformity. I'm trying to understand what's happened, why I had a lot of superlative deformity. And I have to say, I listened to Dean Torimi's rhinoplasty story. This, in this um, point, he turned to the structural rhinoplasty. Also, he's doing more augmentation rhinoplasty work in US and working on, on Asia, Asian noses. Uh, in this point, I turn to the ligament preservation, okay? Many or all of the surgeons had this problem. So I figure mm -hmm. out with the ligaments. See, think about the... Pitangi is not a muscle. This is the wrong. My uh, 3D animation guy made a mistake. It's uh, Yves Saban's amazing anatomy works. They say pitangi ligament is a thickening of the super uh, transversalis muscle, nasal muscle. Evo pitangi say is coming from the dermis. No, it's, it's uh, exactly starting from the stomach. There's two arms. Uh, there's two scroll starting from the uh, pitangi ligament. When you cut it, tip collapse. And it's when the transversalis muscles start, it's the most powerful muscle of the nose. So the patients are sleeping and when they start smiling, they mimic of the nose. Uh, the origo of the muscle is the midline. Two transversalis collects the uh, uh, soft tissue to the midline. I think that's the muscle bulging. That's, yes, it's that uh, space, bleeding, fibrosis, but also there is a soft tissue. We see that. It's, 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 I think, it's a muscle bulging. With the ligament preservation, your problem is over-definition, not supratip. I really uh, inject to the supratip, straight supratip, really rare. So, uh, pitangi ligament decrease a lot. So in my country, most of the cases are thin skin, strong cartilage. So subsmus dissection, we know the nose heals forever until the patient's all, all live. So the, uh, in this plane, there's no fibrosis, uh, fibroblast. Contro, you activate controplast. This is under the chondrogenic perichondrium, this dissection. Maybe the, if you do, do clean subsmus dissection, maybe we, we can be under the fibrous perichondrium. Uh, this is based, uh, exactly under the chondrogenic perichondrium. So this is the scroll ligament, pitangi ligament anatomy again, to scroll, to scroll sesamoid. This is the pitangi. You see nasal smas coming here and join to the medial cura. It is possible, not easy at the beginning, it is possible to do tip surgery with preserving the pitangi ligament. That creates a cushion effect under the domes and also pull, uh, take a power from the super tip and pulls the medial cura upward. Hmm. If you preserve it, there is no space to put septal extension graft. But for augmentation, you have to cut it, even if, especially super tip augmentation, you have to cut it. Otherwise, you can't augment. But if you preserve, uh, you do reduction, but your super break point comes with your reduction. That's the point. You do deprojection. You see, if I release the maxillary spine, foot place comes back uh, close to the maxillary bone, but because of the death connection, you pull the super tip. That's really 
very good power you control there. It's sometimes thicker than flexor radialis. Really thick anatomy. Lots of vessels, lymphatics pass through. Even I, I want to control the transversalis, I suture the upper lateral perichondrium to upper lateral caudal again. So um, it can control the intermediate wall. We control the uh, internal wall apex with splitter grafts or preserving the dorsal cartilage. Uh, we control the base wall with the osteotum, but the middle wall control with the transversalis. Uh, Yves Saban says transversalis muscles can open the internal wall and close the internal wall with the constrict ring effect. Okay, uh, I, I, I said to many patients, wrinkle, uh, contract your nose muscle and take air. I see when I look at into the nose, please do that. Many patients' mm -hmm. internal walls is opening. Really. So the muscles are really important for uh, internal wall. That transversalis muscle making an insertion to the upper lateral caudally. And uh, Charles saying it's stabilizing internal walls because it's a, uh, yes, there's a connection here, but transversalis muscles making a ring and coming to the nose base. So the closing that empty space really controls the transversalis muscles and it's coarse to nose again. So even you make, you can make white dissection and you can do reinsertion re with this. So looks what's happening. This is a big reduction. So you see that dimple is because of the pitange. You can't put tapes for months. Huge nose, big hmm. reduction. You see the supratip is connected. Imagine there's a string uh, from the supratip to the medial cura, and you, you can press your tip. Yeah, that's uh, natural anatomy. But I made a mistake, I have to say, people cannot do the same mistake. I think if the nose is bulbous like this, round, pitangi should be long. So I have to shorten. I have to plicate, I resected a little bit muscle and suture back, or I did plication, but I achieved disasters <laughs> because of the shortening. So I achieve a tip deviation because the pitangi shortened, so dropped one side of the anterior septal angle. So I think the pitangi ligament is uh, in good length for many cases. Uh, at least half of them, it is, sh it is short, not long. So plication doesn't work. <laughs> Don't plicate. Preserve or the, uh, dissect. I will show when to dissect. You see, very heavy nose. You think about there's a string here. I control the supratip with the pitangi ligament. I put, uh, I don't remember, maybe only with the lateral porosity, but maybe there's a, a tip grafting here. But pitangi effect is amazing to control here. So definition. You know, my, my circuit to, uh, about the definition, even in close approach, is the ligaments. Stop here to talk a little bit. I can go details. Are you here? Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm saying sometimes no. hello, hello, because yeah. <laughs> maybe it's close. Um, I'm checking your voice. So no, <laughs> I'm thinking, what the hell am I doing? Doing this open approach and and cutting through the patangi ligament the whole time. Now, um, 
it, it kind of makes me a little bit emotional thinking, oh dear, now what? You know, okay. um, because uh, you know my training has been open approach for the last six years, seven years. It's just open approach. So I think understanding this of trying to preserve this ligament at the same time is just it's like a, a complete shift in my mind of oh. a different way of doing rhinoplasty. Okay. So uh, Aaron, I like Aaron says, in structural rhinoplasty, you push the cartilage to the skin. In ligament preservation, you pull the skin towards the cartilage. Uh, that's yes. explaining yes. Uh, people like that saying. So you need these instruments to do subperiphery dissection. Uh, another home message, if you live in uh, South America, uh, I think the best dissection is subperichondrial on the dorsum, but subsumus mm -hmm. on the tip. Uh, if Because you want more red, red rape on the tip, because subperichondrial dissection, uh, red rape is limited. So you need white dissection if you need. So uh, if I, 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 what I do, I pinch the tip skin. If it is loose, so I want more red rape, I do, I do clean subsumus dissection, at, as Carlos, Carlos said. But uh, how I have to uh, preserve the scroll ligaments, I do subsumus, subperichondrial dissection on the dorsum. So I basically suture the perichondrium back to the dorsum again, uh, to the upper lateral. Okay, you mm -hmm. need these instruments to do clothes. Cry retractor. Uh, tiny hooks and the uh, Nazem Cherkesh um, uh, scissors. I like this. Very pointed. And Daniel Chakra elevator we designed for pericondrium dissection. It's uh, like dentist elevator, very tiny. And we have key points step by step. I want to show one is posterior septal angle, two is W point, three turning point, four corner of the bone. Para medial mm -hmm. cleft, and the fifth is opening a window between the pitangi. We always follow this step. So I start transfixion incision five millimeter higher than the caudal septum because I want to preserve the perichondrium of five millimeter caudal septum. I will show why. I reach to the perichondrium, so with the retrograde dissection to the caudal septum, I dissect mm -hmm. it, and then when I reach to the caudal septum, I turn other side. You see, it's all the perichondrium is preserved. Can you see my uh, pointer? Mm -hmm. Right. Yes. This is the right side of the septum perichondrium. This is the left side of the perichondrium. I preserve the membrane septum for years, but some of patients had uh, dropped with the time, with the aging, with the hair skin. So um, that membranous tonguing group is really working nice. I do one millimeter or five millimeter membranous tonguing group, not cartilage to cartilage. It's Aran uh, Tashtans and the Nazem Cherkesh idea. I like it very much. I will show how to do that. I mark the midline. You see, this is the caudal septums uh, midline. You see the that mark. I incise mm -hmm. with the scissors, I create a pocket, but I don't go through the medial cura. So this is only splitting, think about medial cura pitangi. That's all. If we create a simple pocket and we put the caudal septum inside, there is no uh, cartilage uh, to cartilage or uh, suture here. 
Only we will close the mucosa, that's all. I will show how. Remove the excess mucosa. I do always enclose if there is excess mucosa. It's important because I don't do structure, so mucosa excess should be removed. I close the perichondrium of the septum because the mucosa will carry the tip. So I close the double layer or one layer, uh, close the mucosa. So what's happening here? Think about the pitangi ligament anatomy. You see, it's becoming thick at the super tip, as Yves Saban says. Mm -hmm. Comes, pass under the domes. Superficial must pass over the domes and join to the orbicularis oris. Deep pitangi ligament pass under the domes and join to the medial core and the foot place. Mm -hmm. By the foot place, it's uh, joined to the depressors. But Daniel says there is a real connection uh, to the depressors here. I think two depressors join to the foot place. So I think pitangi ligament is finishing here. So with that membranous tongue guru, I separated only medial cura pitangi ligament. Because of the caudal septum finish, or septum finish, so we I didn't split it. Middle cura pitangi, so it's a creating a fashion, a, a cushion effect. So we can say ligament septal extension. Think about it like this. That's the membranous tongue guru. So think about it's a it's a body, okay? Two arms. Mm -hmm. Levi is <laughs> lying on on the caudal septum, okay? Mm -hmm. So it's the hip <laughs> hip of the ligament is pushing the domes forward. Think about you open the legs and move a little bit and sit over the anterior septal angle, and that's the, that's the point. You see, with the moving the uh, med uh, medial cura ligament over the caudal septum, so it takes rid of power from the caudal septum, but you preserve here, so uh, it really gives uh, good stability. Have a look, this my clay in my office. This um, distal pitangi, we split the medial cura pitangi, but not medial cura, you see? Enclose. Then the mucosa. So we have a pocket. So middle cura pitangi, overlap, or sit over the anteroceptal angle. So when we close it, we have a good support. So uh, I remove the excess mucosa and on basically I close the mucosa. In open approach, how to decrease the septal extension grafts or overlay on tip on leg grafts? Imagine we open the we reach the septum and we separate the medial cura. If you suture the medial cura or middle cura soft tissue back, so you create a soft tissue. Uh, under the domes, that's the point. Have a look. Double zoom, double zoom. Already, I situ before. So we finished tip surgery. Bef before I put in a strut, first I suture the soft tissue between the medial cura. It's echolizing uh, the tip cartilage. And I suture that soft tissue, and with the 5 4 PDS, if you go to the super tip, 
You, this the Pitanga ligament anatomy. You see? You control the supertip with this, but also your tip cartilage jump over the anterior septal angle and sit over it. It's really good support. Okay, so Barish, how different is this from what um, Bowman Gyron is doing? Uh, he's removing he's a... that soft tissue and he's mm -hmm. passing his stitch from the dermis and he's screwing mm -hmm. the uh, supradip soft tissue, supradip dermis to the anterior septal angle. I suture okay. a supradip smas, that's the pitangi, mm -hmm. to the medial cura soft tissue. Okay, now that's, uh, that, there is no real connection, uh, nasal smas to the uh, septal, uh, septum. Nasal smas is joined to the uh, tip cartilage, not the septum. Okay, so okay. It's, it's that's, pulling that's the tip cartilage. a different way of thinking about it. Yeah, it's only for it's a static suture to the skin to the septum. This is dynamic. You suture the nasal smas to the tip cartilage. Okay. In close step by step, okay, we dissect the septum. I go to the W point. Dorsal pericondium start there. So the simple method for the dorsal subpericondial dissection is the finite pericondium on the W point. W point is the, the point where the upper lateral start. That's, that's the cleft. So pointed scissors, Cherkish scissor. You, with the opening legs, I found the perichondrium. Go with the elevators. First, I dissect the upper laterals. That's swooping action. I dissect retrograde or inferiorly and stop to scroll ligament. It's very hard mm -hmm. connection. Finding the dorsal perichondrium is very difficult over the scroll or over the upper lateral cura. That's the easy way. Then I go to the dorsal tip. So this is the lateral cura preservation. That's the rim flap. I will show the dorsal dissection again. When I I do the rim incision, I want to talk about the rim flap. What is it? Yes. There is an article you can find on Aesthetic Surgery Journal. We classify the lateral cura in four types. Type 1, there is no excess on cephalically caudally. Type 2, there is only cephalic excess. So you can treat with the cephalic projection. That's okay. But type 3, there is only caudal excess. These patients are really dangerous. So the lateral cura is close to the nostril rim. So if you treat mm -hmm. the lateral cura with cephalic resection, so you create a huge uh, empty space here. So the lateral cura migrates upward and takes the rim back and you can see notching. Type four, uh, basically you can put all the tip into the type four, cephalic excess and caudal excess. In my experience, 60% I'm operating type 4 cases. So the rim flap, if you have caudal excess to rim flap, very easy, very simple technique. I'm trying to uh, tell you what's the logic. Elevate the uh, margin. If the cartilage is close to the nostril margin, okay, inside that caudal excess, forget it. That's, that's all. 
Why I do this? Because that convex caudal excess doesn't create any highlight on the, on the skin. So I, I, I want, I'm using that unuseful, unnecessary caudal excess on the skin. My incision became the new caudal border and creating a highlight on the skin. And ring flap turns into the facet, shadows, and supports the facet. You see, where do you want the highlight? Do your incision there. Okay, yeah. that's interesting. Eh? Okay. So, mm -hmm. if this is type 4 case, caudal excess and cephalic excess. With this treatment, so you treat 3 millimeter width with the ring flap. So instead of uh, doing 8 millimeters cephalic resection, you can treat, do only uh, four millimeters. So I don't do more than four or five millimeters. Generally three or four millimeters cephalic resection or flap is enough for me. If it is not con concave, convex, lateral curve, I do Ozman flap, slide under, oblique cut, mm -hmm. so that cartilage support. So it prevents uh, the tips stitch pinching. Ozman sliding flap. Look, this lateral cura is wider than this. You see my mark? Already three millimeter of the caudal excess is on the skin. So I have rim flap, so I don't need to put rim grafts. It's symmetric, it's time consuming. Uh, um, so we use the center part also, not the caudal part. We use the center, most powerful of part of the lateral cura. Oblique cut, little light section. It prevents, uh, preserve the horizontal scroll because there is an anatomic connection between the upper lateral and the lateral horizontal scroll. Vertical scroll is the junction of the uh, scroll ligament to the transversalis muscle. Securing it, simple. And these two flaps, rim flap and the Osman flap, works with the lateral steel. I, I don't fight with the lateral cura. I uh, find the proper lateral cura with the lateral cura steel. So I want to ask you a question there. Yes. So I just understand the sliding flap. So you've done like a cephalic trim, but that actually then comes back underneath where yeah. you've um, cut. You, you're not going to remove it and do, it, do something else with it. You actually kind of let it drop in underneath it and then you suture it back right. on itself. Yes, okay. exactly. Yes. What do you want to remove? Yeah, don't remove it in size, make it flat, slide under. If it is very convex, turn under flap works uh, better. I, I use both. So this is the summary of the lateral cura preservation. Imagine this lateral cura, I, I take a photo after dissection. This lateral cura is wider than what you see. I marked uh, my rim flap imagination here. You see, now it's on the skin. You see? This is the mm -hmm. caudal axis of the lateral cura. Mm -hmm. Because of this, only I need to treat three, four millimeter. I incise it obliquely, I slide under, and I pull the lateral cura, I find the proper lateral cura length, and this is my new dome. Generally, we don't need this part, so I reject it. This modified uh, lateral cura preservation, um, Emmanuel from France, my friend, is doing this, published it also. 
lateral crust uh, preservation with lateral crust steel. This old tone, this is new tone. So let's see on the thin skin patient what we are trying to do. You see the scroll line. Scroll lines marks where is your lateral cura uh, is uh, cephalic border. In bulbostip, mm -hmm. if, if you have cephalic excess, scroll line is high. So you want it lower to decrease bulbosity. Okay? But mm -hmm. also think about rim, uh, nostril rim, and go and you're gonna see the lateral cura caudal highlight. So this is also caudal excess. This is not a good place for highlights. So I want it higher. You see the nostril lobule mm -hmm. highlight is coming. It should be go like this. That's the drawing lessons. Discuss it with our teacher, not, not me. <laughs> so mm -hmm. they want to see highlight here and they want to see a, a faucet here, an artist. Uh, and they, they draw on, on the, uh, the paintings and show on the sculpture. So what I do, I use this caudal excess as a rim flap. My incision is like that. So it's turned, you see. My uh, highlight is going with my knee uh, rim incision or transcartilaginous incision. This caudal excess turned into the facet. Now I have a bigger facet with supported rim flap. Scroll line is lowered a little bit. Uh, and still there is a connection between the lateral cura and the mm -hmm. upper lateral. So lateral cura cannot migrate. Also, I stir the scroll ligament, so it's uh, creating a barrier. Lateral cura cannot overlap uh, over the lateral cura. So we, I don't want overlap side to side. It's nice. Have a look. This is a very good example for caudal excess. You see the scroll line is not uh, high. We have two, three millimeter caudal cephalic excess here. Most of the lateral cura excess is caudally. I'm trying to show mm -hmm. the surface anal analysis. You see the oblique weave is amazing to show it. Uh, the, so that surface analysis, I surprised a lot. I, I was trying to, uh, to see the nose anatomy before opening it. You know, what we say before the surgery, let's start open the skin and see the cartilage, see the problem and treat it. No, we can see the problem before open the skin. Here, yes. we have a loss of caudal excess. I use the caudal excess of lateral cura to support my uh, facet and my incision became new highlight. So the scroll line the, uh, lowered a little bit, two, three, four millimeter. You see the bilbosity? It's basically transferring the mass um, or mass um, facets to the shadows facets. You see highlight? Mm. There is no shadows. Mm. So you change the, the balance of the highlight and the shadows. If you have bigger shadows, so you tip uh, became uh, defined. Okay, don't think about you. We, we are surgeons, okay? We, we read lots of mathematics. We don't have lots of art education. We only focus the cartilage. So cartilage are big and they narrow it. But think about the shadows. So if you increase the size of shadows, so you treat the bulbosity. So that's the transfer thing. Trans, uh, we transfer to the highlights to the shadows here. Yeah. And and the lobule, I want to say this. Uh, I will talk about the lobule compartment. 
Dorsal is preserved also here. Um, this is the caudal excess, bulbostip. So this turning into the facet, bigger facet. You see the middle cura very clear. Another one, hmm. uh, this is dorsal preservation, one year. Super tip control with the pitangi, no only graft. We increase the lobule projection with lateral steel. Oblique weave shows a lot. You see the caudal excess? Scroll line, you see, scroll line is lowered a little bit. If I need to uh, need rotation, I do. I don't um, uh, supply the rotation with only the lateral crossephalic rotation. I generally I only uh, touch to the upper lateral caudalis. I shorten the upper laterals, so I transfer the scroll higher. So don't. Think only the tool for the rotation is lateral resection. No, it's so dangerous. Generally, we need we don't need more than two, three millimeters. Three millimeters. I, I live in Turkey. I, we have lots of big noses, so even the Turkish nose can treat three, four millimeter cephalic treatment. That's we use generally for that. So that's the facet polygon, and this is the infralabial polygon. Technique? A quick question uh, in terms yes. of the, 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 the sliding flap. Do you actually have to, um, then on the inside, create a pocket for that to be able to slide in? Yes, we have to because do that. Surely, surely if, you, if you don't make the pocket, it's going to actually narrow the internal nasal valve area. You're right. First, I do oblique cut. Uh, even in the article, Ozman says that he dissects the mucosa with the uh, rotation movement of, uh, with the scissor. So uh, I incise and I elevate. I try to do dissect subperchondrially. Even that dissection decreases the bulbosity. That's important. We need a pocket mm -hmm. at least width of the re, uh, sliding flap. Maybe we, maybe 20, 30 percent bigger pocket can be better. Um, this is medial cura dissection subperchondrial. Just the scroll window. In open approach, maybe you don't need to do that. Probably we are doing reinsertion to the same place, but that's my approach to the dorsum because I, I don't work to the midline. I work from the laterals. So I need this window to reach the dorsum. I open the upper lateral perichondrial plane. You, as you remember, I already dissected the upper lateral perichondrium over the W point, right? Mm -hmm. Now I dissected the lateral through a subperichondrial. So with the pushing the lateral cura scroll window opens, I reach the upper lateral subperichondrial plane, then I go to the bone. So exposure is really nice with the cryo retractor. So that's subperiosal dissection. So the, the fifth key point is opening a window between the superficial smas and the deep smas. We will preserve the pitangin out. With the horizontal movement, blunt dissection, from the left side, two, three millimeters, and the right side, two, three millimeters, to, to not create different uh, pockets. So we preserve the pitangi ligaments very clearly. There's a window here, so we can uh, pull the cartridge from here. And we can see vessels. So what? how much dissection we need? Years I, I did uh, limited dissection, so I had over definition problems. I, I <laughs> inject feelers to the super tip. So I play with this. Look at that drawing. That's the lobule projection. So here in this case, I'm increasing the lobule projection. T 
Think about this the compartment, lobule compartment created by the pitangia and the scroll ligament. So if you increase the lobule compartment, I mean lateral cross steel, only grafts, uh, so uh, we have to enlarge the uh, infralobule lobule compartment. So what I do, I'll, another home message, where is the ideal uh, super deep breakpoint? My art teacher says it's the between the keystone and the tip. So dissection should go on until your new super deep breakpoint. So generally I have short lobule cases, so I have to dissect more to enlarge the lobule compartment. So here I dissected, so without intercartilage incision, we can easily deliver the tip cartilage. We can finish the tip surgery while the pitang is intact. That's the end point, so it shows the super tip point. We can put your uh, scissors and you can go to the super tip, you can mark it, that's your new super tip. If you, your super tip point is close to the tip, so you dissect more. So with incremental dissection to this pocket, uh, you can find your super deep point. That's the scroll window for dorsum surgery. At the end, you see this upper lateral perichondrium. Sometimes horizontal scrolls uh, stays on the smas, and I suture that cartilage to the mucosa. But sometimes I saw that cartilage uh, in, in internal examination. Well, I like more to in the upper lateral perichondrium to the upper lateral again. It's powerful. So it's sliding. I, I like to do the same place. Perichondrium to the cartilage again. Think about this perichondrium. This is horizontal scroll. Sure back. So you close that space. So lateral cura cannot go upward. It mm -hmm. increased rim support. Rim clo uh, closing the death space or the, I say scroll reinsertion. What suture material are you using ah, for that? 5-4 PDS. Mm -hmm. See, this is the rim flap incision. Mm -hmm. I will show the, the steps with the videos. I start from the dome. Dome should be infracartilaginous. The ideal rim flap incision is a 2 millimeter width and 5-6 millimeter length. Third, third point for the dissection, key point, is the turning point. It's very difficult to find the perichondrium uh, here or the, at the dome. Turning point is thicker, so we can find the perichondrium here. But this dissection is indicated for thin skin, strong cartilage. And you don't want the loss of red ray. If you want more red ray, do subsumus. Yes, go on. Okay. At that turning point, uh, uh, sometimes in that area, there always seems to be a little artery that bleeds. Yeah, yes. But you're not underneath that because you... Yeah, there is a, there is an artery lateral to the turning point because I, I know I, um, also I'm releasing the lateral crotale caudal, caudal perichondrium. It always bleeds. <laughs> I know that. It drives me nuts. It's all nice and clean, and then suddenly, poof, it starts. Yes. You know. I think uh, there's a marginal artery following the lateral curacodal margin, 
margin. So have a look, Pitani preservation. With the scissor, okay, I cut the pericondrium little bit. If it is very thin skin, even I want to preserve uh, the pericondrium. It's making a camouflage for the tip cartilage. You can do it with the substance dissection. If you have weak cartilage, okay, tip surgery becomes really difficult. So if you see weak cartilage, in Latin America, there's lots of weak cartilage. I think substance dissection is better tool. Uh, again, showing the scroll reinsertion, upper lateral caudally. I go to the upper lateral perichondrium. It's like closing a scarpa fascia. So you create a lobal compartment again. So let me go back. You, as you remember, I said, what I see in the surgery, I don't see that after one year. But that's very difficult thing. So in uh, archery, you know, you, you threw your arm a little bit high because you know it's going down. So it's, it needs lots of experience. What I want, my aim is what I see in the surgery, please stay, <laughs> heal fast. And stay like that. That ligaments improves a lot. So, uh, you know, I I I was doing, doing because of the projection loss, rotation loss. I was doing over projection, over definition, over. Uh, so I left that. Nowadays, I I don't do over projection, over definition, over correction. Uh, I left like this. Generally, stay like that because mm. of the ligaments. Mm. So, uh, yes, go on. So. In terms of the question here, it's it's very um, there's not much bleeding that is that that's doing the, when you're operating it. The question I have here is it is it because of the planes that you're dissecting in, or also the amount of local that you possibly using beforehand? <laughs> the joke can be I, I took hundreds video and this is the less bleeding one. <laughs> no, generally bleeds less. Let me say why. First. I, I was working only with one anesthesia doctors. So also his chapter is in the preservation rhinoplasty book. He is choosing specific uh, agents for, for the anesthesia. Mm -hmm. We wait until the patient blood pressure goes under the 90. And injection is so important. I inject to the nose, three cc on the tree, and uh, the concentration is 1 to 40,000. It's a little high. But into the septum, I inject only 2 cc. And because septum works like intravenous uh, injection, so I inject only 2 cc, but it's 1 to 400,000. Really diluted. Inject more doesn't mean bloodless surgery. So, mm -hmm. uh, Inject, injecting 3 cc to the, to the nose is okay, but the septum injection, we have to be very careful. I inject the septum only for decreasing pain, not, not for uh, adrenaline effect. I, now, so what is important? Patient use xylocaine, or before the surgery. When the patient comes to the hospital, use uh, otrine. So it's decreased absorption of your, your local anesthesia. And, and also they uh, give steroids before the surgery. It's really decreasing swelling in, in the surgery. Yes, 
and the dissection plate, subpericoneal dissection doesn't bleed. Only my incision is bleeding here. Substance dissection, yeah, bleed uh, more. Or if you dissect the muscle, or if you resect the muscle, loss of bleeding because the vessels are there. So everything is important. Waiting, slowly mm-hmm. injection, and injection point, local. Uh, I use mepivacaine, uh, not lidocaine. Mepivacaine is safer than the bupivacaine. Uh, I, I f- prepare fresh with azuramine. That's the small tricks for bloodless surgery. Let me come back to this. Look, already there is soft tissue. In open approach, we separate that, right? So if you suture mm-hmm. that, so you, you uh, construct the middle curapitange. In this point, I already I had a pocket for membrane septum. Okay, it's two, three, four millimeters behind, there is a pocket for caudal septum. But uh, this is the middle curapitange is intact over the anterior septal angle. So it's going to the supratip. You see this? We see the distal pitang is going on under the skin and joined to the supportive muscle. Now, have a look. I'm reconstructing the, the soft tissue between domes. It's like mimicking the interdomal ligament. Now, think about I put some soft tissue cushion over the, my, my pitang ligament. It gives projection. If I don't want uh, to increase the projection a lot, lobe projection, I don't, I don't put that soft tissue suture, okay? If I want to preserve the projection, I, I put that soft tissue, tissue uh, suture. That's important. Generally, I suture, but in all projected cases, I don't suture it. So this is the figure of a stitch to equalize the domes. This, uh, this is... What I do in open surgery, this is open tip surgery. I, I don't do any rhinoplasty without seeing those, always. I did two no. or three cases, which as Joseph uh, approached, not seeing the tip, tip so I, I promised myself, always I have to see the domes. Even the, the necessity, we need one, two millimeter um, steel. That's the tip surgery. My point is to ligament preservation here, so I did Medial curl overlap here, as you see. I want to show how the tip surgery is possible in close approach with the ligament preservation. I preserve the empty spaces between the uh, interdermal space. Interdermal space should be 100 degree. C point, I pass deep uh, with, uh, from the medial cura with the strut. But when I'm going coming back, I don't pass from the strut. So it's creating, you know, it's separating collimellar polygon and infraglobal polygon. When I squeeze it, have a look. So collimellar and coming, and you see the middle cura diversion, so we create a C point. Uh, that's the tie stitch. Uh, this case. Uh, for dorsal preservation and the tip uh, ligament preservation, supportive control. Now that's that's the lecture. <laughs> I spent a lot of time. I, I have time to answer questions. I hope I, I know I, I focus on the ligament preservation on the one point, but that's the point to to be understandable. 
No, it's it's uh, I, you, you can close that window there. The um, you're sharing the, you know what stands out to me is all the pictures of the ladies afterwards. They got these big happy smiles because they're happy with their results. It's fantastic. Wow. Um, yeah, there's so much to think of. I'm, I'm, my first comment is I'm just happy that that technical school that you started at ended up that you got accepted for medicine and then that you didn't end up doing so much hand surgery but you changed to rhinoplasty because it's helped so many of us because of that. So I'm very happy for however that happened. Thank you. So, Okay, so, so uh, this is the question. The, the most important thing I would want to ask you is I think the majority of the listeners on the podcast are still open structural rhinoplasty surgeons. So what advice would you want to give to people who are still in that kind of frame of mind? Um, I've had an interesting comment come in to say, but why do you want to change something if this thing's working? And then I have a, I listen to a guy like Dean Tuyomi, who's been in the game for more than 30 years, and he's even changing. So perhaps some comments in, in terms of somebody who is stuck in doing structural open rhinoplasty and especially in the light of what we've been speaking about the ligaments tonight. Oh, all right. You know, uh, we are surgeons. Yeah. So we, we have egos. So that egos are oil. <laughs> so we have to use, so that push us to, to think more focus. So it, sometimes that ego push uh, us to be a little fanatic. Uh, so uh, I, I became fanatic. I, I confessed. I want to confess, I, foc I want to do everybody dorsal preservation. No, it doesn't work. I focus on the ligament preservation to everybody. Subpericondyl dissection was my rule. I did everyone. Uh, no, it's not working like this. So I I'm changing. Uh, so I, I'm trying to put the indication for my young colleagues. So I, I repeat a lot, a lot in this broadcast for weak cartilage to subsumers like this. So. For if you want, if you don't want red rape a lot on dorsum, do subperichondrial. If you want red rape on the tip, do subsumas. If you don't want red rape, already you have your patient's tip cartilage very visible, do subperichondrial. Works really nice. So, uh, the, the message to my friends learning techniques, learning surgery is so, so difficult. If you, uh, your practice is not on rhinoplasty, doing one in a week, what, uh, you don't change your technique. Because um, the best technique is the, what you have the best result. So ch mm -hmm. changing That's your cool. technique, you lose time also. Uh, it's not fair, your, your patient. I, I remember I turned to the clothes in 10 years ago. Yes, it was so difficult for me. For, Six months, some some patient I couldn't figure out all the problems. But if your uh, main practice is rhinoplasty, why not? Uh, there's really powerful tools. Uh, the dentorium is, is amazing. Uh, even the Roland Daniel and the dentorium they uh, they listen really uh, carefully all the young guys. And they, they use it and they put indications. Okay, even the Roland Daniel put me that my subperichondylic section into the thin skin patients. 
He said, don't do this for the tick skin patient. He was believing in uh, defecting. But we saw the Pitanga works for red ray for tick skin also. So if you do only rhinoplasty, I think now the, the level is going high. So we have to combine the structure and the preservation to, uh, nowadays. Uh, what can I say? This is Yves Saban saying. Worst indication for the structure is the best indication for preservation. Let me give you an example. If you have beautiful dorsum, but perfect axis deviation and no hump, it is very difficult to fix this with structure because you uh, make the bone, septum, perpendicular plate, the other bones as a flap and you move. As Charles says, book osteotomies, you move the one bone, the other bone, the other bone. So one bone is longer. The septum is midline, the other bone is shorter. So you have to put the asymmetric grass. And my friend, that surgery always finished with camouflage. You can't achieve amazing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so it is very easy with dorsal preservation. You mobilize everything you bring to the midline. No camouflage, generally, or very little camouflage, you finish your dorsum surgery. Why not? But if you have your experience one in rhinoplasty in a week, yes, don't do dorsal preservation because you can achieve disasters. Uh, because even though it takes years, you learning the stretch rhinoplasty, it takes years. Putting a symmetric septal extension graft is not easy. Doing, you know, why I, I'm not doing lateral curve transposition, you know, because I can't. <laughs> it's so difficult. It's I, I, I achieve asymmetries. Doing it symmetric, okay, it needs you hands, uh, a very good hand skill. In theory, we can do it amazing. It's, it's very difficult. So, yeah, doing to, to everyone to the lateral curve position, no. Uh, rim flap, uh, Osman flap or trans, uh, turn under and with the lateral cross steel. Yeah, that, so with that technique, tip surgery can be uh, more easy. Uh, but if you need augmentation, so yeah, you have you, septal extension is very important. And the tip cartilage, you have to put every graph very symmetric way. But why at least? Uh, we don't preserve the ligament, pitangi ligament, and put a small graft, not a huge septal extension graft. So the patient's septum stays inside. So it's very important uh, to the revision to not go to the rib. So if you do your patient a revision, so there's no cartilage inside. So you go rip your, your patient. It's, it's very difficult to say your patient. <laughs> I will go to the rib yeah. for your, your revision now. Exactly. Well, you've actually answered. It's been quite nice testing our podcast through YouTube because quite a few questions have come in. But I think you've answered one of the questions about septal extension grafts and columellar strut. Uh, a question from South America is, um, do you recommend sub-smash dissection in the tip and sub-perichondrial in the dorsum? Okay. Well, there, we, there we've got it. Thank you for that. Because um, you have less hump and a weak tip cartilage. But also thick, very thick pitangi ligament. So if you preserve that thick pitangi ligament, okay, you put less on leg graft. But the dorsum, little hump, you don't need a loss of uh, red ray, but you need camouflage. 
You know the where is the thickest point of the dorsal perichondrium? The mm -hmm. it's keystone. You know our most of the irregularities at the keystone because we remove the dorsal perichondrium with the hump if you do subsumous dissection. But if you keep that dorsal perichondrium on the dorsum, okay, you uh, it works for you. It's one two millimeter, so it's natural. Uh, beautiful camouflage material, and we know subperichondrial dissection makes the perichondrium thicker because the contraplast uh, increases the perichondrium layer. That's very good uh, uh, camouflage material. Also, I don't see any uh, fibrosis. You know, the skin sometimes attached to the bone. You lose mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. flexibility. Of, of the dorsum. Yes. If you do yeah, subperichondrial yeah. dissection, you don't lose that. So your skin is st still mobile. Why the dermis is attaching to the bone? Because of the uh, blunt dissection. Separating uh, blunt dissection with the scissors, is, you, you don't dissect only, you also dissect the muscles. Transparsalis muscles, mm -hmm. oligo dissect, and the muscles come to the laterally here. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Long talk, okay. huh? Uh, I never finish. <laughs> no, never finish it. I've got one more question here. Yeah, the, sure. The question is, in the in the case of very thick skin, do you add a tip on lay graft to this technique? Yes, sure. Uh, I, I do. Uh, one of my 10 cases is secondary rhinoplast. I put a lot of shield, uh, pack graft. In primary, it's ten, uh, around 10%. Lateral crust still decrease the only graph a lot, but it, because in Latin America, in South America, uh, middle cura is short, medial cura and lateral cura is short, so tip stitch doesn't enough. Lateral cura still, you can't do more than one, two millimeters only graph. We have to put only graphs. In, in Turkey, it's very rare. Well, awesome. I, I'm going to um, get you guys now to, because uh, we're going to carry on talking here forever, but, but uh, I've, I've got to make a call on this. Uh, I'm trying to quickly get the, wait, I'm gonna, let me ask this last question whilst I get the contact details for the Comey guys. So here's a question from Cape Town in South Africa. Um, if you have cephalically orientated lateral curve, you mentioned you do not re reposition the lateral cura. Do you do lateral cura onlay or strut grafts in these cases? Uh, maybe I have to show if I can uh, find transpose. I can show it. Yeah, please do. Eh? Wait. Okay, so whilst you find that, I'm going to just read out the email address that the people can contact if they're looking for a good discount on the Comeg machine. So the email is richard.maloney at maloney-medtech.com. I'll spell that out for you. So it's r-i-c-h-a-r-d dot m-o-l-o-n-e-y at m-o-l-o-n-e-y dash medtech. It's m-e-d-t-e-c-h dot com. So please um, get hold of Richard Maloney if you want to get a good deal on a piezo from Comic. So, Barry, you managed to find that? Yes, I find it. Slide. Okay, great. 
share, right? How can I share screen, yep. right? Uh, can you see this? Can yes, you there we yeah. go. Uh, let me show some surface anatomy marks. That's the supraalar groove. That's the turning point. And that circle, we use it for nose drawings. This is a, mm -hmm. a nostril lobule. How I put the cephalic malposition diagnosis, not on the front, because everybody is using different lights. On the side, this is the tip lobule, you see, very small. And this is the nostril lobule, very big. So this is cephalic malposition for me, real cephalic malposition. So not all the bulbous tip are cephalic malposition. So what I do, well, you know, the ring concept, lateral accuracy, I, I, I really, it's very difficult for me. Okay, the problem is the bulbous here because that big nostril lobule is pushing the lateral crura upward. So, so that's real cephalic malposition. And I think the lateral crura malposition is the disease of the lateral crura tail, not here. The problem of the lateral crura, medial to the turning point, is generally the wetness, convexity, and the long lateral cura. So we can treat the tip surgery. Well, I can't treat the tail with the lateral cura, uh, tip surgery. So what I do... So lateral cura, even the bulbous tips have caudal excess, and there is no cartilage here uh, in the nostril lobule. We know from the tail uh, ring concept. So what I do, I go... Uh, uh, not, uh, not infracartilage incision. After the turning point, I do straight mucosa incision and I dissect everything, the lateral crura tail especially. And in this case, generally that case have hanging ala because of the big nostril lobule. When I resect the hairy skin, because uh, I did lower than the inframarginal incision, my incision was straight into the um, mucosa we call it skin. When I suture to that mucosa of the lateral crotal, so that we can elevate this part to upward. So the lateral cura, that dimple decrease. That's the lateral cura transposition. So then you treat that deep supralar groove. So, uh, lateral cura, cephalic malposition look decrease. See, the lateral cura is uh, creating a dimple here, deep supralar groove. So, I remove soft tissue. Uh, that's my approach. Yes. Huh? That is beautiful. Huh? I'm going to do that tomorrow. Okay. <laughs> uh, you have huge lateral cura, nostril uh, lobe, right? Hanging a lot. Yeah, so it, it, we have such a mixed bag of rhinoplasties in South Africa. Right. Um, but okay. that, that's just such a different technique to like uh, dissecting free the lateral cura and doing a turnover or turn under flap and repositioning it. Well, you, but I want to show this is bulbous but not cephalic malposition. You see the lateral cura is going and showing the medial contours. 
But I think this is the long, wide, convex lateral curve. And you see on the side, nostril lobule is very small. So in this case, tip surgery works. Another point, don't think about the changing the finishing point. All the droppy points or long lateral curve looks like cephalic position, cephalic position. When I change the starting point, okay, also I change the direction of the lateral curve. You see, after the rotation and then releasing the lateral curve, we change the end of the direction. But with the seal, I change the starting point. You see, when you change the starting point, it shows the lateral compass. And with the reflap, with the trinity convexity, okay, this case is not real cephalic malposition because of the small nostril lobule. So the tip surgery figure out this. But this is cephalic malposition. You see the huge nostril lobule here? Mm -hmm. So if we treat that supra lateral suprative fullness, okay, we can decrease the indication of the lateral curve releasing with the lateral curve still, and uh, with the dome, uh, fixing the lateral curve resting angle, oblique dome stitch like the interim shows, and that fullness can decrease with the uh, resections. This is not cephalic malposition, hip surgery figure outs. This is cephalic malposition. Uh, this is real cephalic malposition. No cephalic malposition on the tip bulbosity. Tip bulbosity. If I have hanging, I do directly rise resection from the caudal. So if you treat the hanging ala, also you treat the cephalic malposition. You see that hanging ala? I reject directly from here. This is tail transposition. Yeah. Oh, I hope you are not sleeping. <laughs> no, no, no. Listen, Parish, listen, we've been going for an hour and 40 minutes. We've got to cut this now. Our listeners are not going to go to work. They just want to listen to rhinoplasty the whole time. Eh? So, honestly, man, I thank you so much. On behalf of the people from more than 70 countries, we've had like nearly, we're coming on to 20,000 downloads of this rhinoplasty podcast. Thank you very much for tonight, but thank you for the work that you guys are doing. Thank you for the congresses you guys are putting together. Yeah, we, yeah, on behalf of the people from around the world, thank you. We really appreciate what you guys are doing. Uh, Cameron, I want to, also, we want to see you in Istanbul. <laughs> I hope Corona is going to finish and we can do um, the structure preservation meeting again in Istanbul. Maybe. Yeah. Let's I'm, see. I'm Keep gonna, in touch. COVID must go away because it's too late. I want to come and right. see you and see Gox. I want to see you guys, man. All right. Thank you very much for inviting me. And thank you very much thank for watching us. And thank to, you, to guys. To the listeners, thank you for this test that we did to, to live stream it at the same time on YouTube. We hope it worked. And we'll be actually doing the proper release on Sunday of this uh, podcast. So thank you very much for listening. And we'll see All you right. guys again next week. All right. See you. Bye-bye.